Hey guys, I'm Nick here with Tanner and Zach, and thanks for tuning into the Voyager Way, a podcast dedicated to sharing our passion for everything outdoors with listeners just like you. Whether it's talking about incredible trips we've been on, teaching you the best way to get your own adventure started, or talking with amazing guests about the incredible things they've done or places they've been. You can find it all here on the Voyager Way. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Voyager Way podcast. Today's guest is actually Zach's brother, who we've had on the podcast before, but just to give his input on one of our outdoor questions of the week. This time, we sit down with him to talk about all the incredible outdoor adventures he's had, including hiking in the Swiss Alps, driving around the entire island of Iceland, living out in Portland, Oregon, with the love of his life and man's best friend, and much more. His name is Mitchell Fritz, and we are incredibly grateful that he took some time out of his day to sit down and talk with us. We want to thank you guys again for tuning into our podcast and hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks and God bless. All right, Mitch. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Um, we had you on a couple, gosh, it's been like a month or two ago for kind of a little um, just quick outdoor question of the week with David. Um, but today this podcast is about like all the just the amazing outdoor stuff that you've done kind of in the past. Um, but to start off the podcast, it has to be brought up. Can you confirm or deny that during your wedding day, you hit me in the face with a hockey puck so that nobody would look better than you on your guys' big day? That's confirmed. <laughs> okay, that's confirmed. Okay. Um, so just that quick story is we were um, – and then we, I mentioned we do, we do kind of want to talk about just like the COVID wedding a little bit, just kind of how it – like on, on your guys' end, obviously, because like on our end um, – being in the wedding party, we got a little bit more than um, some other people might have, but I'm sure behind the scenes, it was just kind of a lot. But um, that quick hockey puck story is um, for their wedding, it was a couple, oh gosh, was it three weeks ago now? Uh, no, it's longer than that. It's, uh, it's just over a month. Oh yeah, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. it's over a month. But yeah, anyway, so it was, it was just kind of the wedding party and then the parents. And so while the girls were getting ready at Mitchell's parents' house, we went down to the to the lake and we're playing some pond hockey and Mitchell was about to score and I heroically shoved my stick in front of his stick and to block the shot and the hockey puck went straight up my stick and hit me right in the face. Well, hit me the nose first and then the eyebrow and, and cut me up pretty good. It doesn't look that bad anymore. Yeah. But sure, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> not even it's not even that noticeable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so could, do you just want to touch on like kind of how? I mean, obviously it wasn't like when you guys picture, um, well, I'm not sure how much you pictured your big day compared to maybe Josie might have, but when you guys like pictured your wedding, I'm sure it was like a little bit bigger with a lot more, um, friends and family and that kind of stuff. And what it ended up being was still, I mean, at least on our end, it was still super memorable and an awesome experience, but, um, yeah, you just kind of want to give just the spark notes on kind of how, how your day was and how it kind of, um, yeah, just went for you guys. Yeah, overall it was uh it was an awesome day. Um obviously we had bigger things planned and uh those plans changed multiple times and so when we finally got down to what was left, uh we were initially concerned like, well, shoot, we have to have our, our wedding day at our parents' house. But yeah, ended up being um absolutely amazing just being able to have a more intimate setting with some of our closest friends. And when Josie and I were just talking about it after the fact um, it's, we, we were able to experience our wedding day, um, unlike any, any other people that have had previous weddings or maybe even similar experiences, just because we were yeah. able to spend more time 
with uh, with you guys, uh, dancing, talking, just having a, a day that was um, just super memorable. Um, pieces that we had talked about that would be different if it were to be a bigger wedding is just the fact that like we probably would have had to spend more time going around talking to everybody that was there. And not like that's a bad thing by any means, but yeah. it's just the fact that we were able to kind of be more in the moments within um, our our evening. So that was that was awesome. Yeah. And so I guess kind of leading from that to more of like your outdoor adventure stuff. Um, I mean, just the fact that you wanted to go, like you made sure that the um, the lake was like smooth enough for us to play pond hockey before your wedding probably speaks to how much you enjoy being outside and doing that kind of stuff. Even on your wedding day, like you wanted us to have a good time doing that kind of stuff. Um, so I guess like just kind of going back to, I know we talked with Zach, it's gotten brought up a lot about how your family just kind of prioritized like being outside, like all the time, just growing up. Um, can you kind of explain kind of what that meant for you growing up and then why you've like, why it's been so influential in keeping that kind of a priority, like, like even right now? Mm-hmm. I think um, as a kid, you don't realize how big of an impact it's, it's making on you. And uh, now even just seeing how other people are introducing the outdoors to some of their kids these days and just how yeah. um, the, the trips that they're doing are a lot smaller and they're just simple little day trips. So they're going to a local park or they're going to a local um, national forest and they're just spending the day just doing simple, simple things. And I think that's what our dad did for Zach and I uh, when we were growing up. And so for him, that may have been slightly different or maybe less pleasing than he would have maybe wanted uh, to do, but he kind of simplified yeah, things yeah. for us to make it, make it easier and um, allow us to um, kind of get yeah. our feet wet and start to uh, notice the little things and to kind of have a, a chance to, um, you could just say, I guess, just kind of enjoy that experience. And so from, I guess, from then, we've been able to kind of, um, kind of branch out and start doing our own stuff. And I think that's just been continuing to kind of flourish as, as we've gotten older. Do you have like a most memorable trip from growing up that you like distinctly remember super well or, um, yeah, I'm just kind of curious cause I was with for a lot of it. So I'm curious what your, <laughs> yeah. your favorite one or most memorable one was off the top of your head. Do you want me to put you on the spot and have an embarrassing one, or do you want me to have yes, uh, a, yes, a fun yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll start with that one then. Uh, just because Zach is the one to an- answer or uh, ask that question. I remember <laughs> the one, the one Zach, I don't even know how old we were. We were freaking tiny. But we were going in the tent the one night, and uh, our dad would bring like a picture of our family. Uh, and we were only gone for like, it was like two days and we were crawling into the tent and Zach was like looking at the picture and he was just bawling, he goes, I miss mom and the girls. <laughs> and we've only been gone for like one evening. <laughs> and so that's kind of funny back on that. I, uh, I remember after that trip, after I basically was crying because I felt like I forgot what, I, what my family looked like. <laughs> I remember from that point on that I always brought a like family picture. My my dad always brought a family picture. And then like fast forward 15, 20 years or whatever, I feel like on all the trips that I've received like letters from my dad, I feel like he always sends some type of picture and then that's like the joke at the end. Oh, yeah. Here's a picture so you remember what we look like. <laughs> awesome. 
Sorry, I had to bring that one up. Um, <laughs> as for I don't know, other memorable trips, I don't think anything in specific, but just the fact that we had the traditions of making it a priority yeah. to um, to get up to the Boundary Waters um, yearly, at least once. Um, I know some of those years we, I think in some of our more active years, we sometimes even went up there three, maybe even four times. And so like we were up there quite nice. often. And so I think just having the experience of um, prioritizing those trips uh, was something that um, just stands out to me because it, it kind of shows how um, impactful it's, it's been on our, our lives and kind of who we are. Our, our mom has been going through all of our family's like old photos and in specific, she's been going through the boundary waters pictures from when we were super young, most recently, and she's been scanning them so that she has digital copies of those as well. Mm. But I did notice in a lot of the, the pictures that you tend to make it look like you caught more of the fish than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I know that wasn't true. <laughs> the thing is, is that somebody with the big pipes had to carry the heavier side of the fish stringer. And so I just wanted to make sure that you felt okay and had something in your hand for the picture. That's all. Uh, that's, that's probably fair. Well, if we want to talk about big macho Mitchell, we can tell a story about the going to the bathroom up in Canada. All right. <laughs> all right, Nick, so, what's your next uh, point of topic? Yeah. <laughs> we got a quick run into this one because this yep. was brought up at the wedding as well. Oh, that's right. But uh, <laughs> on our like annual Canadian fishing trip that we do, this was when we were like – Mitchell was probably 16. I was probably like 14. Somewhere Dude, come there. on. <laughs> uh, so there's like a, a bigger cabin up on top of the hill, and that's kind of where the adults sleep. Um, and there's like the kitchen and like living room area up there. And then there's like a smaller original cabin that is more of just like a little bunkhouse kind of cabin um, down by the water. And so that's where the kids usually always slept. Um, and so we were all sleeping in there. There was probably like six or seven of us sleeping in there and it was in the middle of the night and all of a sudden I wake up to somebody kind of like pushing me around and then shining a light in my face and I hear Mitchell Zach can you come to the bathroom with me I have to go to the bathroom and there's an outhouse like way up on top of the hill up by the big cabin and he was waking me up in the middle of the night. He's 16 years old. Well wait was this the year that the bear was there or no, not there? No. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so he basically wanted me to go up there to keep an eye out for bears when there was all these mosquitoes out and he was going to go into the outhouse and I was going to stand out there and then he takes the light into the outhouse with him so I don't even have a light I'm just standing there in the bugs was that Mitchell's fault or your fault for not bringing a light I was partially sleeping I was just walking <laughs> but yeah I remember that very distinctly and I want to test what kind of a brother you were. That's all. That's fair. Yeah. It was a trial by fire, I think. Um, okay. So then I think, Mitchell, that, that might kind of explain how, like, moving forward in the future, how a lot of the trips that we took, like, to the Boundary Waters, like, you you just seemed like that was just really something that you wanted to prioritize and, like, make happen, even though, like, it, it was never, like, perfect. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know you reached out to me a lot of those summers and just, like, even if we could only get like four or five guys, like even four was like just a base that we could have two canoes and like two people mm. per canoe. Like if we could, if we could get, find just one weekend, which that was always hard. Cause like everybody's got different schedules throughout the summer and some people are playing hockey and some people are doing whatever, but it always felt like, um, 
like you would go out of your way more than others probably would to try and make those kind of trips happen? Is that just because you knew how like influential they were growing up and then like just wanting to experience that kind of stuff just with your friends, like in the future and just kind of do it, especially once you're like those first couple of years, we were really feeling out um, like not having adults there, like what, <laughs> what we we're doing well and what we weren't doing well and kind of what you need to bring and like what we forgot. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like you would go out of your way a lot to kind of set those trips up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure to some degree, uh, selfishly, like I just wanted to go, whether that be who, whoever can come can come. And I think yeah. in a sense, that's how a lot of our trips have kind of been. And I don't think anybody takes that the wrong way. It's just, yeah. there's always somebody in our group that's looking to do something. And there's always years, uh, where people are busy with other things, whether that be hockey or, um, now people with jobs and school and stuff like that. And so there's always years where you're not going to get the whole yeah. crew together. But it's just a matter of finding some way to initiate some kind of a trip, and then from there, just trying to gather as many as many guys that we can uh, from our group to to make the trip happen. I think the last trip we went on wasn't it just four of us? Yeah, right? it was, the Boundary Waters. Yeah. I think it was all the Schmitz and Mitchell, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Was Brady there too? Brady was That's yeah. Because it was that the one with the. Yeah, That's with the dogs, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, we got, uh-huh. we got the pups. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think it was we me, you, and you were in the tent with Nala and I. And then, yeah. And then, yeah, you and Brady and Paisley were in the yeah. other tent. <laughs> Which your tent was bigger than ours. And you had the smaller yeah. dog. And my tent was definitely a little smaller. We definitely had the bigger dog. <laughs> we definitely had the bigger dog. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, kind of, so kind of going off of that, I mean, uh, you talked about like everybody being in school and work still. And um, so you're out in uh, Portland right now getting your. Um, it's PsyD in psychology, um, which I guess for, oh, I didn't know what that was before you kind of explained it to me, but um, is am I correct in um, saying that's kind of like a, it's a clinical doctorate of psychology, so it's less research and it's more clinical based, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for psychology, there's two uh, doctorate degrees. You can either go the PhD route or the PsyD route, and the PhD route is, um, you, I mean, you get funding uh, through the institution that you're uh, getting your training from, but your main work is around um, research. Whereas with yep. the PsyD, um, you still do like a dissertation and you still have research a part of your training, but you're more focused on the clinical intervention side of things. Gotcha. So what made you want to go into studying psychology as opposed to like any other subject? Yeah, no, I think I went into college uh, with more intentions of kind of going the natural science route kind of in the direction that Zach's um Zach's in but then I had uh one of my first semesters had a class and a professor that really turned me off and he just I don't know I didn't have a good experience and but I still wanted to kind of continue with the sciences and so I had taken a psych class and really enjoyed that professor and uh just the contents of the class and then from there just kind of snowballed with taking another one and another one and things just got more interesting and then by the time I was a senior, or I, sh- I should say a junior year, I realized that I needed to do more schooling to kind of make a, a career out of it. And so that's what got me looking into um, graduate programs so that I could practice in the long term. But I think, too, with it, um, nice. now that I'm more into the clinical side with the training, um, it's been it's been super exciting. Um, like last night, I uh, was doing a rotation in the emergency room. And we're doing like the suicide risk assessments. So when people come in that are suicidal or homicidal, 
um, we're able to do the screening to determine if they're uh, safe to go home or if they need to do uh, inpatient uh, psychiatric stay. And so uh, just the, I mean, the, uh, the cases that kind of come through, um, I enjoy the, the different, like the differences in the, in the cases that, that you see in the emergency room and just having to use kind of your creative thinking yeah. and problem solving skills. Uh, so everything is always different on a daily basis. So that's something that I really enjoy. So how did you decide that school in Portland? Was it like more of like a school-based decision or was it just like because of the nature around that area? Yeah, uh, both. Uh, I think something oh. when I when I started looking into uh, programs and then finding out that the extent of them was like a five-year commitment, um, I yeah. wasn't going to put myself in an area that I would be miserable outside of school. And so, yeah, definitely personally, my decision uh, was I wanted to be somewhere that I would have a good time outside of school because even though that's a big time commitment of your life, um, I wanted to know that I had other things to do aside from school during that time. So when I was kind of looking for different programs, I specifically looked like in regions that I'd want to be. And then from there, kind of found programs with training opportunities that I thought would kind of fit my um, professional goals. Nice. Yeah, that, that definitely seems like kind of the route that I went with like physical therapy is when I, and I actually had a pretty good experience at NDSU with my like conservation biology classes and that kind of stuff. Um, but those, um, I mean, Zach, you can probably speak to this too, but those, those fields are like maybe a little bit harder to kind of get into and develop like an actual like career, um, like a sustaining career with that kind of stuff. So I had to, I had to kind of make the decision of, okay, do I want to go like the conservation route? Um, just cause I know that's like where a lot of my passions lie, like being outside and doing that kind of stuff would be super fulfilling. Um, or like kind of go the sciences route, um, and make like the outdoor stuff more of a hobby and just kind of feel like be a little more stable in like that career based kind of job, which seems like kind of a lot of where your head was at going to that sidey stuff. But cause it, it just seems like you just growing up with you, it just seems like a lot of like you were really, I gotta make sure I get this quote, right. You were. Yeah, you are working to live, not like living to work. You know what I mean? So can you, like, how do you, because you've been, you went study abroad over in, were you in Spain? Is that mm-hmm. where it was? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you studied abroad over in Spain. You were hiking in the Swiss Alps before that. Um, you've like gone up to, you gone up to Iceland with Josie, which has been super, like, which is super cool. It just seems like all these trips, um, like you just really just maximize how much you get out of like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to have to go to school, if I'm going to have to work and do all kind of stuff, I'm going to maximize the money and the time that I have um, to do these kind of trips. It just seems like you're, you've been super good about um, being able to prioritize the stuff in your life that really like gives you the most fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something, something that stands out after hearing you say that um, one of our uh, professors in, in the program I'm in had mentioned that the, the routines and the um, kind of like the patterns that you develop over these five years are the patterns that are going to stick with you through your entire uh, professional career. Yep. And so I think that kind of hit me because when you're busy with school or you're busy with work, um, I think that's when kind of your, your true self can kind of come out. And so if you're not allowing yourself to uh, prioritize uh, some of those fun things that you like to do, Um, Those things easily get put to the bottom of the list. One of our professors, um, he, 
when the month starts, he schedules in basketball first. That's the first thing he puts on his calendar every single week. And then from there, he schedules <laughs> everything else around it. And I, and that's the first time I've ever, I've no ever way. heard of, of such a thing. I'm like, that's such a unique and like awesome idea because that for one shows yeah. how much that he uh, kind of prioritizes and um, just knows how much of an impact that plays in his life and how, um, how that's kind of, he finds his yeah. release and his enjoyment. And so I think that that's kind of been something looking back on some of my past experiences too, that even though I'm going to have to be doing some more um, school or, or working, um, I still wanted to kind of find time to be able to do uh, some of the, the fun things as well. Yeah. So your professor kind of uh, wrote in basketball as kind of his thing that he prioritizes every week. What is your so-called basketball that you kind of prioritize every week? Mm-hmm. Um, it's been tough right now just with our restrictions out in Oregon are a little bit stricter, stricter oh. than they are in Minnesota at the moment. But just trying, my my thing is just trying to find a time to run or get some kind of exercise in. Um, but something that I've been more intentional about um, this year, uh, more so than last, is just finding time to get outside too. So I think I'm doing much better yep. this semester where it's probably on like an every other week basis where I'm able to kind of actually get out to the Mount Hood or find other um, outdoor areas to kind of go play around in. And so that's something that I think that um, I've been much more intentional about of trying to prioritize um, because I know that um, how much of a stress relief it is um, when things get busy for me. Yeah. So if you got, if you do have a free weekend, like just during school or doing whatever, what's your, do you kind of have a go-to thing that you really like to do? Or I know, I mean, just with being around you for so long, like just to talk with you, I know you definitely like to bounce around and try new outdoor activities, which is super cool. I feel like you definitely get, um, like you maybe can't, um, cause obviously there's trade-offs, right? So if, if you just try a bunch of new stuff, then you can't get either like a lot better at one thing or experience that as much. But at the other end of that, it's like trying new things. You could find something that you're really passionate about that you never would have like found if you weren't trying all those new things. Um, so when you do have a free weekend, is there kind of a go-to thing that you like to do, or do you really just get like the most out of trying a bunch of new things to see if you'll enjoy it more than others? Yeah. I think uh, because this area is still uh, somewhat new to me, I've been trying to find new kind of passions to kind of explore. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we still do. So like depending on what I'm looking to do for the weekend, like there's many weekends where Josie and I will go do something and we'll go snowshoeing because I know that that's something that she enjoys as well. Um, I tested our marriage early on and <laughs> and tried to bring her up uh, Mount St. Helens the other weekend. Um, I won't go into that, but, uh, we had a, we had a, we had a good hike, but, um, I should have given her a little bit more of a heads up of what it entailed. And so, uh, yeah, so that was a a, a test early on, but, uh, so I may have to find a different climbing partner to, to fulfill that need that I want to do there. But in other weekends, like this past weekend, uh, I went with a buddy, uh, one of my classmates, uh, his or her girlfriend. Her boyfriend. There you go. Um, we went backcountry skiing, and that was freaking awesome. That was the the first time I was able to get out with that, nice. and um, it just it's it's a unique experience. It's a different way of um, skiing and kind of being able to immerse into the 
to the backcountry. And so the fact that like the yeah. ski setup that we have, they function as like cross country skis with like they're called skins that stick to the bottom. So you're able to use them as cross country skis. Okay. And and then once you get up to the spot where you want to like, drop in, you take the skins off of that sticky piece off from the bottom of your ski. And then you're able to ski down uh, from there. So when we were skiing, I mean, we had snow that or powder that okay. was like midway up our thigh. So it was, it was awesome. Oh, that'd be so fun. Mm-hmm. So you, in my opinion, you've done a really good job at incorporating your dog into kind of your camping stuff. Your dog Paisley, uh, she's a golden retriever for anybody that doesn't know. Um, <laughs> how would you say, I know like I am working towards hopefully getting my dog scout into doing similar stuff like that. Do you have any, I guess, like tips or advice or ways for people who are out there that have dogs and would maybe like to start incorporating them into doing some outdoor stuff with them? What are some good ways or things that they should know um, before going out into doing trips with their dogs? Mm -hmm. I'll reference my uh, comments from our last podcast and give a disclaimer that if you want an adventure dog, make sure that you ask the breeder if they, uh, if any of the parents get car sick and if they do find a different breeder, (laughs) 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 because that's definitely been our biggest bummer with, uh, Paisley is just, she gets car sick every time and we've tried everything and being a psych guy too, I've tried like every behavioral um, thing I can think of <laughs> at the moment. So we've just kind of come to the point where we have to like medicate her just to kind of make her chill out in the car. Um, but yeah. when you're when you're out there, it's just a matter of just being inclusive with your dog as you would be with, <laughs> it sounds so cheesy, but just as you would with like inviting another person along. Um, you have to be more intentional because some areas may be busier than others so and some people um, that you encounter on the trail um, may not be as fond of dogs and so some people you can tell like if she's not on a leash and she like runs up to them she still has quite a bit of puppy energy and so sometimes you can tell like they're kind of hesitant yeah um and so i think just being mindful of like where you're at and if it's okay to have your dog off leash or not um but then if they are off leash, uh, one thing that I found helpful is just one of like those training collars um, because they have like different vibrate settings or shock or even just like a, the one that we utilize the most is just a beeper. Um, and so she's kind of been able to associate okay. like the beep means I need to like, I need to respond and go back. And so we're able to kind of keep her within like a yep. 30 yard radius, which is very manageable when we're kind of out hiking around or playing in the nice. snow. So that's been super helpful. Do you have any good or funny stories of having Paisley along camping with you guys? <laughs> yeah, I got, I have two. Um, first one that comes to mind is <laughs> I wanted to, or I eventually want to train her to have her as a hunting dog. Um, and I didn't incorporate that with the initial training and uh, right away, but that's something that once I have more time and uh, I'm in an area where hunting um, is more accessible I want to do that, but, uh, we, I had gotten her like this, this dummy, this bird dummy, and we've been kind of playing around with that and just kind of, uh, trying to see how she does with that. Well, the one weekend we're out camping, uh, we had her food out right side, right outside of the tent, uh, flap. And we were, Joe's and I were laying inside of the tent and the flap was open. Um, and so she could go in and out if she wanted and the flap kind of got pushed open. 
And so we were able to kind of have just like this little like sliver that you could see outside. And there are these birds that were coming right up to the tent and picking off her food <laughs> that was sitting like right at the base of our tent. Yep. And Paisley had her nose outside, <laughs> like outside of the tent, just staring at these birds. And she was probably like a foot away from them and just watching these birds pick off her kibble yeah. and fly away with it. I'm like, this is not the kind of, <laughs> this is not the kind of hunting dog I'm looking to get, looking to have right now. So we got some more. Yeah. Time. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, though, uh, she's been, I don't know, she's been just a ton of fun. She has so much energy and she'll just get like the random zoomies when you're out there just showing that she's absolutely loving it. Uh, she's <laughs> she loves the snow she'll do anything to go just roll around in the snow and that's the one thing that I miss being out here yeah. versus being at home is just it's so wet um, in the area that we live um, it rains here but then the closer you get to like the mountains and the elevation changes there's the snow and so like when we let her outside here she always just comes in just sloppy wet whereas when we're somewhere where there's snow she just is able to run around and roll and just enjoys playing in the snow so that's something that um it's kind of fun to watch her play around in so so speaking of the snow um you've been to iceland which is a probably well this is probably just stereotypical but i assume there's more snow and ice out there than down here um and you also played juniors hockey up in canada for a year or two for two years yeah um so can you, and, and then I know you and Josie went up to um, Banff and said that was like awesome. That's definitely a bucket lister for me to get up there. Um, is that more of a winter place or a summer place? Or is either. It kind of both? Winter? Either. Yeah. I oh, either. You're looking at me. I've uh, never well, been there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> can you ski there in the, in the summer too? We're at Banff. In Banff? Like spring um, or fall maybe? I th- for sure spring skiing. Um, yeah. yeah. But I'm not sure. I think probably late, late spring, uh, the majority of their snow goes away. So, so let's just start with kind of your, just super quick of like your juniors, um, hockey experience up in Canada, just from like an outdoor perspective. Cause I know, um, we talked to Michael about, well, he was up in Alaska, um, and Connor about kind of up there, but just how it's, how different, like the, the wilderness is up there. Like it just seems like, cause we were talking to Connor about Alaska and I'm sure it kind of translates to Canada like wilderness a little bit because I mean we've been up there fishing and um on our canoe expeditions but it just seems like you are a lot more um how do I put this like you have way less control over like the elements and they have way more control over you than like maybe it would like down here because they just get like so much colder and that kind of stuff can you just like talk to your outdoor experiences how much different they were up in Canada during like juniors than maybe down here out in out in Portland right now Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is that uh, there wasn't much of an outdoor experience. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I, I think when I was playing hockey up there, that was kind of like the biggest thing that was going on in my life and the thing that I prioritized the most. And so, yeah. and just the area that we were in, I was on like the Alberta Saskatchewan border up in uh, Bonneville, which is way the heck up there. And so it was more just okay. like kind of like. <laughs> vast um open land uh where there's like pockets of kind of yeah. uh forest but um nothing that was anything that i found to be worthwhile to try to f- balance time with hockey with and so it really wasn't until um i got back to st john's or uh, moved out here that i was able to kind of do more of the outdoor stuff um but yeah for canada that was more so just kind yeah. of on on trips or breaks that i had 
uh, we'd go to, yeah, go to Banff or um, come back home. Nice. Yeah. What about uh, the igloo making? Can you take us through the process of that? Because that was <laughs> while you were up playing juniors, wasn't it? Well, you were, yeah. Well, that it, it started up there. That's where the the idea had um, emerged. My mom had sent me uh, a text with a picture that she had screenshotted from Facebook, and it was like, "Hey, this looks like something you would do." And I'm like, I'm "Like, oh hell yeah, like, that, that was kind of fun to try." <laughs> and so I initially started by just going to the store, and I had bought like like two dozen uh, banana bread tins, um, just like the um, disposable ones. And so like out on the people I lived with their deck, I had just filled banana bread tins in their kitchen and then I bring them outside and I put some food coloring in them and you like stir it in. And it was yeah. so cold up there during, uh, during the first stint that I tried doing it. I could make um, like these ice blocks, um, probably sometimes like two or three batches in a day because they would freeze within a couple hours. Just like these huge blocks all the way through. Oh, wow. And so like those froze yeah. quick, but my issue, my issue uh, doing that project up there was, um, I had made I couldn't make them fast enough, and so like the duration it took to make enough blocks to actually build the igloo, um, took too long. And so the first problem that I had was I had maybe like enough to build like a third, and then we had gone on a road trip down to Calgary for um, a series of games. And then while we were gone, it got up into like yeah. the mid mid forties, and so all everything just like had melted. So, kind of gave up on that year. Oh no! I tried, <laughs> tried it again the following. Same issue happened, but I had probably bought another like two dozen tins, and so I had more, but just not quite enough. And then it wasn't until I got to St. John's and had that Christmas break uh, during our freshman year. Where I'm like, all right, no more screwing around, and I went to a restaurant wholesale place in St. Cloud. <laughs> And I bought this huge box of 500 <laughs> banana bread tins, brought those out to campus and then had like filled all of them, got them all set. And then once I was ready to start building Zach and then um, my sisters had come out to help me just move everything to where I was going to do it because it was just tedious having to pop them all out and then carry them all the way over. So we had like sleds yeah. and stuff and uh, they helped me bring them to the spot where I wanted yeah. to build it. And then I had all the supplies that I needed in the cold weather. So over like the course of a day and a half, I had just built this freaking colored igloo and it just blew up on social media <laughs> randomly because all I was trying to do was I took a picture of it and I put it on Facebook so I could show my uh, host, my host family from Canada, like, Hey, look, I actually finished it this year. And then from there, the, the newspaper, yeah. yeah, the newspaper got a hold of it. And then it was like the radio station. And then it was just, freaking uh lights out from there crazy you were worldwide <laughs> i was just gonna say oh, yeah. i had i had a couple ladies for i had one from germany message me and another one from like brazil messaging me like hey are you the one who made that colored igloo i'm like where the hell are you seeing this <laughs> no way <laughs> um so kind of going from i wanted to like touch on well you you mentioned banff and the kind of taking trips there and um I know you and Josie went up there and then saw like your billet family and kind of made that trip, um, that long trip. And then um, you and Josie also, also went to Iceland doing that kind of stuff. Um, can you just touch on maybe, um, we'll kind of get into how like just how awesome the Iceland trip was. Cause I know you came back with some super cool pictures. Um, but I guess maybe just to start, talk about how um, influential kind of being like dating somebody and now being married to somebody who 
is willing to do those kind of trips with you, like go on, on some of those outdoor like adventures with, and I mean, like whenever you have free time, there's always, I feel like give and take with like some people enjoy doing like either beach trips or warmer trips and that kind of stuff, which I'm like not saying that Josie doesn't enjoy doing that stuff anyway, but um, just being willing to kind of tag along to do some of these um, other outdoor activities with you or like trips like Iceland where it's obviously not like very warm the whole time, but um, still come away with some awesome memories. So can you just kind of touch on how, um, what's been like being with somebody like that that likes to share those passions with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is <laughs> it's, this is definitely going to come off not not the way I want to say it, but <laughs> you, you you need to. I almost treated it as like the way that my dad treated it with us as kids, and so yeah. you just need to kind of get your feet wet with it to start. Um, and just do smaller things. And so I, like, I don't want to say treat her as a kid because that's, that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) But like, similarly, like you need to just kind of like start slow with it. And so we started doing things that were just kind of smaller and more manageable and allowed her to, um, kind of enjoy the process, um, without overwhelming her. And so from there, we've been able to kind of build up on some of the things that we've been able to do um built a freaking hot tent and so we can actually camp in the winter and she like we're both comfortable with it and so just by doing like small stuff like that that would normally be maybe uncomfortable um just finding ways to kind of adapt and make the experience more enjoyable and make it something that she wants to do as well and not just me dragging her along and having her kind of suffer through because now that we're married i don't think that uh she would be wanting to suffer through as much anymore so knowing that she still wants to do some of the stuff kind of shows <laughs> that she's interested in yeah. and enjoys it as well so what, what was your what's your favorite story from or favorite memory from the iceland trip I know exactly um, which one you're thinking of, but you're not going to say it. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> oh man, yeah, we're not. We're definitely not going down that route. Um, <laughs> there, there's two that I can think of. Um, what two that I can share? I should say. Um, <laughs> the one being like one of the main reasons we had went there was for the Northern Lights. And just because of where Iceland is located um, in the winter time, they have so much darkness that, um, and a lot of other factors that contribute. But when the Northern Lights appear, they're just absolutely incredible up there. And yeah. so we were actually able to see them one night super well and another night okay. But the one night that we were able to watch them, we had gone outside and for like probably 45 minutes, the entire sky had like parted with the clouds and all the way from the horizon to uh, directly above you. Um, the whole sky was just uh, engulfed with like green and pink and like purple um, Northern lights. And so I have a time-lapse of when they were kind of in a phase where they were green. Um, but the, yeah, the entire sky is just, they're just like in a, a dancing wave and it's just, it's mesmerizing when you see them cover that yeah. much of the sky, it just looks surreal because you're not used to seeing those kind of colors up in the sky. Yeah. So that Heck was, yeah. so that, have you guys yeah. seen the Northern Lights? Do I, I like, I have, but I haven't like definitely nothing like that, obviously, no, but that's what I was say. there's yes. been a couple times. I don't even know. I want to say there was one time on trail where we like got somebody out to pee and like in the middle of the night and they're like, 
you guys need to come out, like get out of your tents. Like it's super cool. But I feel like that was just like more of the stars. I don't think there was Northern Lights. I think that like the sky was just lit up with stars more than like it had been. Um, but did, do you guys not see any up in like on your foreign earth trips? Well, the uh, like at first I was like, we're going so far north, like that might be a possibility. But then I realized how stupid that was because <laughs> it's light 24 hours. Oh, I didn't even think about that. The sun <laughs> out, so yeah, no, definitely didn't. But on our, on my Miss Navi trip, one that I went with Sam that like before the copper mine far north. Yeah. Um, it was actually when I was listening to Winchell's, I didn't realize that his podcast, they had done that trip when they talked about oh. from Lake Superior to Hudson Bay. Yep. Yeah. So, um, Sam and I just stayed up one night. We knew we were going to have a like later or later start to the day the next day. Um, and so we just like stayed up and like made a fire and just like wanted to talk or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like you could see him like appearing in the sky, but Nothing like Mitchell was talking about where the whole sky over you. That's definitely yeah. like on the bucket list because I feel like that'd be amazing. David and I were paddling one time on Lake Winnipeg and it was like in the middle of the night. And then like as it got like closer to like one or two in the morning, we could like slowly start to see them come out because we were paddling north along the shore. And you could like slowly see them come out and then they just kept getting better and better we're paddling it was just like the coolest thing to be paddling under so when we finally got to our campsite at like three in the morning uh, everybody else went to bed and then we just pulled out our sleeping bags and like laid on the rock Stop. and we were just like sitting there just like watching them for like an hour until we finally fell asleep but that was like the coolest northern lights memory and it turned kind of like the it went from like the green to like the purple and reds for a little bit and wow. then it just kind of went back to the greens but so it was like over like it was like dancing above us Dude, it was so cool I don't know how people could go to bed during that because, like I was saying, to Sam, like it was like probably two or three a.m. and we barely like saw them. Like they were they were pretty far in the distance and they got a little bit better as they went on, but like so cool. Like you said, Mitchell, just like mesmerizing. Like um, like you probably yeah. wouldn't like want to like you just wouldn't want to stop. Like you just kind of no. want to stay in that moment the whole time. We did actually see them. I forget. I forgot, but I remember now. Um, driving back from the copper mine. Oh, when you're back, driving, they were okay. like dancing beside us. So that yeah. was pretty cool. But. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, not bad. When you see them, when you see them too, it's like you, yeah, it's. I think the best word is just it's it. Hold on, my freaking series popping up. When you see them, (laughs) it's just it's. I think the best word to describe it is this surreal because you don't see those types of colors and that movement in the sky. Um, If you even get into the outdoors, like. A little bit you can you're able to kind of see how beautiful all the stars are but when you see the northern lights it's just it's something that's absolutely incredible just with the way that they that they move throughout the sky and the the colors that are there and it's just something that you're not used to aside from like the fall when you see those types of colors uh, on the trees but when you see them actually up in the sky it's just a whole other experience um okay cool so we were talking about uh northern lights all that kind of stuff did you have a second did you have a second story from iceland that you wanted that was wait i want to quick jump in on the northern lights thing um since we were talking about it it made me think of it i was super excited um when our last guest nate and i and the rest of our group were down in patagonia because i didn't realize that this was a thing until i went down there but there's also southern lights what's Um, I don't know, like, I mean, they're obviously on different ends of the earth, yeah, but yeah. I don't know, like, uh, apparently those were a lot harder to see, at least from what I read. I don't know if that's true. Oh, or you not, were solid? No. Oh, okay. but like down there, those were some of the clearest skies I've ever seen in my really? life. 
like there are so many stars it's cool too because you don't have the same constellations yeah. too so like oh you don't have like the big dipper or like anything like that they have like the southern cross and like some wow. of these other constellations so it's like a completely different night sky that you're seeing yeah. which is super cool i didn't even think about that um but that was on my bucket list to, to hopefully see them so i tried to stay out pretty late each night um but i never ended up seeing them but apparently it's like more so down by like antarctica that you get to see them oh but, gotcha mitchell how late did you guys have to stay up to see those i feel like they come out pretty late Oh, that's not bad at all. Oh, nice. Was that were the skies super clear in Iceland? Uh, the majority of our trip, no. It was honestly cloudy uh, a lot of it. So we were lucky that we we actually saw them uh, like the two nights that we did. But Tanner, I was in the comments because you had said when you guys were on your trip and how it was like light the majority of the time, like the majority of the day. For us, when we had gone, because we had gone to Iceland in the winter. Um, it's like the majority of the day is, uh, dark there. And so it didn't get light until like oh. close to 11 o'clock in the morning. And then the sun was setting by like four, three thirty, four o'clock. And so we were working with such like a small window of time each day. Oh geez. And so, yeah, when we were moving, like we were moving to our new, new spots, like all day when it was dark, um, just so that we could get to where we wanted to be for when the sun would come up. And then we try to like crank out a few things uh during that time it was fun um we did the whole yeah, ring road yeah. which is the so, which is the road that goes all the way around iceland so we packed in a ton of stuff uh within the like the 10 days we were there um i had actually gotten uh um an itinerary from bryce hemelgaard uh who's the photographer for the for the twins and i know he takes pictures like for the wild and stuff too but he had sent me because I had seen some pictures that he had posted. And I'm nice. like, hey, like, you have any suggestions? And he goes, well, do you just want my itinerary? So he sent me that and we made some like adjustments. But essentially, it was a, a similar <laughs> trip that he did. So it was it was awesome. So you said that road just like takes you around all of Iceland pretty much? Yeah. So there's the main road that's called the Ring Road. And it, okay. it goes all the way on the outside of the island. And then, um, those are pretty, that's like pretty much the path that you can take in the winter just because of, uh, the snow. They have these roads called like F roads, which are like through the middle of the Island, but they go at such high elevations and we had just some rental vehicle. And so I wasn't comfortable driving stick or <laughs> through some of these passes yeah. that just had tons of snow. So we opted yeah. out of that, but, um, yeah, no, it's cool that you can go all the way around the island within like a week. Yeah, thanks. For anybody that's interested in seeing a really cool outdoor film related to Iceland in the winter, there's a, it's like a movie or documentary about um, these surfers who go to Iceland in the middle of the winter and they're like driving around Iceland looking for like these super good waves in the middle of winter. Um, and I know a lot of people surf on like places like Superior, Lake Superior or other Great Lakes. Um, but it's just cool to see them do something that's traditionally seen as like a summer sport, or, like a warm yeah. climate sport in like a very cold place. And What's like it called? Under an, Ar under an Arctic sky. Um, and it's sweet because they have like these shots in there where they're surfing and they're underneath the northern lights. And it's just Holy super moly. cool. Thanks. Mitchell, I could see that being something that you would get super into, um, like surfing, like cold water surfing. I don't know why I could, no, why, 
Why do I have that picture? There's a picture in my head of you that I've seen where you're in a wetsuit with the surfboard. Does that picture exist or am I just making stuff up? <laughs> yes, in, in Spain. Oh, sick. Okay, which sick transition yeah. to that. Um, <laughs> you, so you spent, you spent a semester in Spain, right? Uh, it was a five-week program. Okay. Um, and then before that, you just said, why not just hike the Swiss Alps? Cause that's just what normal people do. So can you kind of talk about like what that transition was like going from there and like how you even got the idea? Like, Oh, okay. I know I'm going to be in Spain. So like, I'm just going to hike the Swiss Alps like super quick beforehand or, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We could probably talk about that whole trip for an hour, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Can... Just a kind of a quick g- gist of that, that trip. We were going over to Spain to get our Spanish credits uh, or to get Spanish credits for school. And then one of the buddies that I was going over there with, um, I had asked him if he'd be interested in doing some like pre-travel. So he he said, yeah. And so I was kind of looking into some places that we could go or things to do. And then I came across Switzerland and uh, the Alps. And so I had purchased this book um, that had like this whole route, like through the Alps, it was like a two week trip. And we were just going to do like a section of that two week trip that the book had kind of detailed. I'm like, this would be awesome. And I read through it like uh, several times and kind of figured out the route. And like, this is where we need to be on this day. And we take a train from here to here to start and then so on and so forth. Well, the one thing that I failed to look into was the snow levels and whatnot in uh, in the mountains. Because I mean, coming from the Midwest, like that's something that's so foreign to myself. And so thinking late May, like gonna have no issues with snow well we get we get off the flight and we take a train to the town that we're gonna start in and we get there and there's this huge line and we're like what the hell and we look and they're in line for this gondola and everybody has ski gear and we're, and we're just these two american kids that had backpacks with all of our camping shit or stuff <laughs> and <clears throat> and, and like you get all these like foreigners that weren't from that area too. And they're like taking pictures of us and stuff. And they're like asking their like photo, photo. And they're like, want to take pictures. I'm like, what the hell? Like, this, this seems, seems off. And so like I go into the ski shop and I'm like, I'm like, Hey man, um, looking to do go over this pass or like, that's where we're going to, that's where we're heading. And he goes, dude, you're not going up there. I'm like, can you tell me why? And he goes, yeah, there's like seven <laughs> feet of snow up there. You're not hiking through that pass right now. I'm like, holy oh <laughs> So from day one, we had a, seats. yeah, we should have, we should have scratched everything and just done that. But we ended up just having to, to take so many more trains and buses than we had pictured. We thought we were going to be able to get through all these areas um, just by hiking but there ended up being so much more snow. And so we were taking trains and uh, buses through some of these valleys just to get around some of the higher passes that had way too much snow. Um, So we were able to do a decent amount of hiking, but we ended up having to do a lot more um, uh, travel and by means that we we didn't expect, but it was still a kind of a cool area to play around in for a while. Yeah, and so then you went down to Spain and did like how much of that was like classwork and how much of what, like just like extracurricular stuff, like surfboarding and all that kind of like, what was that like? Yeah, there is two options. So you could take, I think it was like either four or eight credits 
and I only had to do four more credits. And so um, my day only consisted of a couple hours of class, whereas the people who had the eight credits, they had like a full like a full day of class. Yeah. And so the people and the people in my group that only had the four credits, it was awesome. We just did a like a quick class in the morning, and then we were able to go like get breakfast. We went to the beach. We got a like we got a gym membership too because we were over there for a month, and people wanted to stay active with all the extracurriculars we were partaking in in the evenings. And so we just wanted yeah, to be yeah. able to keep moving, <laughs> but we, uh, yeah, so we did that. Um, and then, yeah, so we just had so much time on, on our hands to go play around. We ended up running with the bulls over there. That was absolutely insane. Um, that Holy was, crap. that was, that was wild. So we, we did that, uh, <laughs> went on a weekend surf trip. Yeah, it was, it was so much fun. Nice. So is there kind of going through, since you've done all of this stuff, like you've been surfing, hiking the Swiss Alps, you've been up like to Banff, you've been all, whatever, all over the place and done a ton of different cool things. Are there any like big bucket list trips that like you're either like, are like you're just planning for the future or you're already planning like right now, like to do some of that kind of stuff? Like what are some like the big bucket list trips that you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um. At the moment, because I'm kind of into skiing is my thing right now, I'd love to do just uh, some kind of a ski trip. That, that's that been something that I've seen so many people do where they just go to some like resort and they spend like a week there or a long weekend just be able to ski. So I think doing something like that, or I know Josie's cousin, uh, he lives out in Utah and he does a ton of like backcountry skiing and he has a sweet place up in the mountains. So it'd be fun to go spend some time out there with him to do some, some skiing. Um, but then something that I haven't done honestly in a while now that I'd, I'd love to do an extended trip uh, is just a, a canoe trip. And so I think just hearing some of the other podcasts yeah. like Winchell and some of the other people that you guys have talked to uh, regarding uh, canoe trips, I think it'd be awesome to kind of get some extended trip kind of put in place to maybe do, I don't know if it'd work over one of these upcoming summers or once I graduate, but it'd be fun to do some yeah. kind of an extended trip. We need to plan like a compromise. Yeah. Tanner's been, Tanner and I, like, if talking about bucket list stuff, like, Tanner and I both talked about getting me up to the compromise and him back. You, have you been there? Like twice. twice. Yeah. <laughs> so what, well, what trip have you done that you haven't, what area that, like, that you haven't been to? You've done the Missinabi. Yeah, that was, that was, that was. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, just talking about getting up to when Tanner wants to do the height of land portage beforehand. And I do not want to do that. <laughs> like, I mean, I'd I do it. I was saying, like, it would suck kind of, but I think it'd be worth it to like do the whole trip where like you have to go through the grind a little bit, like before you get up onto the copper mine, instead of just cheating and going to the copper mine, that would still, it would still be, okay, it's cheating not cheating. Is a hard, it's a no, hard it is. Word, it, was still, it would still be a lot of fun, <laughs> but I think if we could like, like you said, an extended trip, if we could like carve out enough time for that, yeah, I think that doing the whole thing would be worth it. Yeah. I suppose. Um, and Mitch, this is kind of like maybe a, a softer question that I've got for you, but we kind of talked about um, like how you've enjoyed your time like already, like all your time out in Portland um, and on, out in Oregon. Okay, gosh, Oregon or Oregon? Oregon? Oregon. Oregon. Okay, Oregon. Out in Oregon. Um, but like kind of, kind of when we were talking about whether you thought you guys would come back to Minnesota, like after you're done with your school or stay out there just because you're enjoying your time out there um and we started just to talk about like just the friendships that you have like back here and like if you could take all of your people 
in Minnesota, like they could be out in Portland, then you might like choose to stay out there. But just the fact that all the people you're really close to are back here. Um, I don't know. Like, do you just want to kind of maybe talk about how, how important it is and like maybe how different it is not being around like a bunch of, I mean, I mean your actual family and then like your other family that like you go on a lot of these trips with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, I think that's a whole other piece that I'm continuously trying to kind of integrate into my life and find, uh, find a new group of people that enjoy the outdoors at a similar level as myself out here. And so while that's still like, that's, it's still fun and it's, it's nice to kind of branch out and find people who are like-minded out here. Um, it's, there's something special to be said about like family and people like you guys to, uh, to do some of these trips with just because I feel like whenever we're able to kind of get together for these trips, um, a lot of the times we haven't actually been in person together in several months, but it's like when we get together, we just kind of pick up right where we left off. And so, um, yeah, it's just like a seamless transition into seeing each other again. So uh, I think there's something to be said about that, that aspect of the trips with people that you're close with. Yeah. So that kind of leads us into something we we just started doing. Do we start with Winchell? No. Um, or do we start in there? Like Winchell a little bit, but then we like really yeah. started with. So like at the end of these podcasts, we're doing um, a rosebuds and thorns kind of thing. Um, just to kind of talk about, yeah, just kind of talk through that kind of stuff. Cause usually it ends up being pretty fruitful. Um, but so just like with all of your, and we'll kind of take this as your whole outdoor like experiences in like just your life. What are some kind of rows, like one rose that just from all, from everything you've been through, like with all the outdoor stuff, one rose that you can think of, um, maybe like a bud for the future. I mean, we talked about bucket list trips, but just like a different bud like that. And then, um, yeah, like that's the, the trouble with the thorns that we always talk about is it's hard to have like a, oh, like this was the bad thing, but maybe like a regret or something that you would change like going, going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say my rose would just be um, just having the opportunity to have like gotten into the outdoors at the age that we were able to mm-hmm. and kind of having that seed planted in us from an early age and just to be able to kind of get our feet wet and start exploring um, on our own terms and our own pace uh, starting with our dad and then being able to kind of branch off and do our own trips as we kind of got towards the end of high school. And then now just where we're all in different uh, areas of the country, just being able to kind of continue yeah. to explore and find ways to kind of enjoy and immerse ourselves into the outdoors. So that's probably, I would say my, bu- or my rose, um, my bud, I think would be just to continue to find ways to integrate the outdoors into my day-to-day life. Um, for myself, that's just such a, a big stress reliever. Um, my church, my way just to kind of connect with um, kind of um, earth and our, everything around me in, in ways that I can kind of foster and um, kind of have conversations with people that feel much deeper than um, can be had when you're um, in in city limits, you could say. So just some of the conversations, if you think yeah. about that we have when we're sitting around the fire or sitting up, looking up at the stars, or when you're getting your ass kicked by some grueling hike or portage or something like that, there's something to be said yeah. about the type two fun <laughs> that you have. So uh, I think yeah, just yeah. the conversations <laughs> that, that come from those experiences is something that I just want to continue to kind of uh, find ways to, um, to have, um, especially during this, um, busy season of my life, I would say. 
And then as for a thorn, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, even listening to the last several podcasts, everybody struggles finding something that they don't like or regret. Um, but I would even just say, I would say just saying no to opportunities, uh, when in like the grand scheme of things, like it wouldn't have been that bad or things wouldn't have been that much harder if I would have done or gone through with an opportunity. And so just to kind of know that, um, you, you have time to do things. It's just kind of how you prioritize your, uh, the pieces in your life and finding ways to kind of make sure that you can meet all the needs. And so I think just to kind of continue to um, accept opportunities as they come um, and just know that there's kind of a lot that can uh, be offered, even if it's with new people that you're uh, kind of starting to branch out with and explore the outdoors with as well. Yeah. Dope. That's uh yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, there's just a lot to be said for, having those kind of connections with people in the outdoors. So, which, and that's the thing, Every, everybody we talk to, I feel like it's no um, secret that it's hard to come up with like thorns for this kind of stuff, which it probably says something about just being outside with everybody. But um, mm-hmm. well, Mitch, we appreciate you jumping back on here with us. This, this is awesome. Um, definitely looking forward. Hopefully we can get back out to um, Oregon sometime soon. Cause I, I honestly, everybody I tell, about your bachelor party out um at like the basement hood it's like one of the, definitely one of the best weekends i've had yeah that was so fun yeah um yeah so hopefully we can definitely get out there and, and see you again pretty quick here um but otherwise yeah we'll definitely keep in touch and wish you the best of luck kind of moving forward with school and everything else thanks boys take care yeah bye mitchell see you thanks for tuning into the voyager way podcast follow us on social media at the voyager way for more content from all our outdoor adventures and plenty of how-to videos to get you started on some adventures of your own.